Hello, welcome to the Photo Op Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things photo and video. I'm your host, Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is Photo Op. And today we have a very special episode we are doing in the news. In the news. What's what's new in news? Yeah. So uh, we, a few things. <laughs> we, we have uh, three parts that we are bringing you today. So what, what is our first news story? Our first news story is that it is World Backup Day. I mean, it... Well, it, it was. It was. Like two when days ago when this, this. gets posted. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, the, the 31st, so just a couple days ago, was World Backup Day. So what? It, World Backup Day, is that... That's the day where you back up your data only once the you, entire you year. You only back up your data <laughs> one day a year. Um, I think that's Please more, no. <laughs> I think that's more of the like, hey, everyone, I know everyone fails. To, it's like, I know you don't floss. Just yeah, please, yeah. for the love of God, floss one day. Type. I just went to the I dentist, too. I think that's what too. that is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, World Backup Day. Um, it's just your reminder to back up your stuff so you mm-hmm. don't lose it. Um, have you ever lost all your data? Hmm. I'm going to say no, but I have lost substantial amounts of it. Um, mm-hmm. I lost two weeks of photography um, traveling through Italy because um, it, I did not have any backups and uh, a drunk person knocked over my laptop and the laptop went kaput and uh. everything that I deleted from the memory cards t- and backed up onto the laptop was gone. Rough. So uh, it was cheaper to retake that trip than it was to recover that hard drive. <laughs> So yeah. don't do that. Back up your data. So um, I have literally been on uh, like uh, NBC television productions where they have like lost substantial data, and I was the one responsible for trying to recover it. <laughs> ooh, rough. I was successful, but oh boy, that was scary for a little bit. That was I'm an expense. A- that would have been a hugely expensive mistake. I'm also gonna say that <laughs> that happened to me like 15 years ago when I was still in college before I actually knew what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. ever since I've been a professional, never lost data. You only make that mistake once. Yes. Before we move on to the next news story, we have some backup tips for you. So what backup tip do you have for us? Um, today? I have several but i'm gonna start with the several how dare you i said one no okay go for it go for it i'm gonna start with the three two one backup strategy this is something that you may have uh, heard but if you haven't if you're a professional this is the way that you should ideally be backing up your data which is three copies of your data in two different forms one off-site um now i realize the two different forms could be a little bit variable like some people are like oh like a tape archive and then hard drives like you're not gonna have a tape archive um but you know best effort is is how you should approach this um the three copies and i think the one off site is the biggest part of this um if you've got you know if if they're all on drives at the end of the day but you've got like one you know your your copies include you know two like redundant drives worth Mm -hmm. of of Mm -hmm. data you know it's it's not two different forms so sort of like who cares you're still doing a tremendous amount of of safety when backing up your data so that's the three two one backup rule um more like a guideline than an actual rule but, <laughs> but i mean it's a pretty it's something to strive for guide. yeah um you know at the very least have a local and an off-site copy like you know if, if anything were to happen to your your data we live in an area that has like lots of uh, or uh, lives under tremendous threat of earthquakes and uh, mountains exploding potentially <laughs> we're overdue for that um you know if you're off if your on-site copy um is lost for whatever reason at least have an on-site and off-site copy so you can pull from that off-site if necessary mm-hmm. yeah. uh so the off-site copy that I-, I used to have a bunch of drives that i would like send to my parents house when they got mm-hmm. 
full, Mm -hmm. but then that became a pain. And now my parents moved and they live six and a half hours away instead of 30 minutes. So that's less convenient. (laughs) Um, But my offsite backup is Backblaze. We are not sponsored, but I will put in affiliate links. Mm -hmm. I think it gives you like a free month or something, whatever the deal is now. Um, But yeah, go down, uh, click the link uh, to Backblaze. Um, We don't do it because they're a sponsor. We do it because personally use it yep so they have saved my bacon more than once if something goes down they are a great alternative however um uh since i've been using backblaze i've also added a synology bay many many years ago and i'm very happy with it and uh the synology bay i set it to uh it can have two drive any two drives in it fail Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my data is still okay that is how much it backs up so if three drives fail at the exact same moment i'm in a little bit of deep water but um but it also has a health monitor um software in it and it will send me notifications if any of the drives look like that they are on last legs or having any issues so my second tip is actually related to backblaze because i also use backblaze um i'm kind of insane so i have like multiple different offsite backups at the same time but backblaze is one of them and it is by far my favorite uh and it's easy it's cheap yep. and i never have to think about it exactly what i was going to say your backup strategy needs to be set and forget or you will not do it if you need to remember every day or week or month or quarter to back up you will forget and your data will not be backed up and then that next day you're going to lose a bunch of your data your especially probably your client's data and you will look very yes. unprofessional yes. so it needs to be set and forget the great thing about backblaze you set it up you point it at some drives it does everything you stop thinking about it which is awesome you only think about it when you need it and you can very easily grab your data either from a download or they'll send you a hard drive. They send you a hard drive awesome. and then they give you all of your money back for that hard drive yeah, if you, if you send it, it back. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no. Uh, highly Even recommend if you don't it. return it, their pricing is pretty good. Like, they charge you for it if you don't return it. But it's not like... They don't it's review not off. extravagant. Yeah. yeah. No. It's about the price of It's about the, the price of a hard drive. Yeah. So, yeah. Highly recommended. <clears throat> Go find the link below. And that uh, leads into my third tip, which is test your backups. Um, occasionally, you should go and verify that you can get the your data off of backblaze and i'm not saying necessarily download everything that would be ideal but just i realize pick it's kind a of random insane. pick file. stuff at random test it make sure that it works make sure that you can get your data back um because this has gotten other people into hot water where they're, they're backing stuff up but it backs up incorrectly or there's something broken in, or the files are corrupted and they go to test their backup Here, they, they know to, to use their backups when they need it and it's broken here's an example so one of our security cameras um i uh set I needed to get a file off the security camera. Um, so I pull out the memory card. I put the thing uh, in my computer. I mm-hmm. grab the file that I need. I put the card back into the camera. For whatever reason, that camera uh, stopped running like a security camera where it delete the oldest one. And then it just filled up. And I went nine months before I had to check it again. And when I checked it, the footage I needed wasn't there. So, so test your backups. So, so t- <laughs> test your backups. Make sure if you... Working are working with data professionally which increasingly it seems like everybody pretty much everybody is. is you should have you have backups yeah All you right. should have backups anyway but especially if I think we've spent enough time on that. Yes. For what, sure. what else do we have that is in the news? This is probably the most notable story this segment which is DP review is oh. shutting down. <clears throat> so 
I feel uh, like we need a sad violin here. We do. Yeah. We really do need a sad violin. So DP Review has been around for a long time. It's probably one of the no- most notable uh, photography sites on the internet. They do all sorts of stuff. Um, but they're probably most known for the consistency of their reviews. They've got like a, a great basically setup that they've built to test cameras, to test sharpness, color reproduction. And they use that like same exact set for like every camera that's ever been made since DP review started publishing, mm-hmm. which was like 25 years ago when it's a very old site, like 1998, I think. Um, so they've had this incredible consistency, consistency throughout their run. And that has led to some like that kind of archive of knowledge has led to some very cool and, and interesting comparisons and data that you literally can't get anywhere else because nobody has been that consistent for that Indeed. long. So, so sometimes we get questions on this show, what camera should I buy? And honestly, we don't know because we bought our cameras and we're not buying new ones. Yeah. Like we're just using the gear we've used. We don't have a huge variety that we're using on a daily basis. Um, and people who work at your local camera store are going to want you to buy the most expensive one. They're mm-hmm. not exactly mm-hmm. the most unbiased source and even then that is purely run off their feelings and opinions dp review has this amazing database of cold Mm -hmm. hard facts Mm -hmm. where you can pit cameras against each other and be like oh okay this one does 99 percent of what i need and it costs two thousand dollars less cool and and certainly some of the dp review staff you know may have particular you know interests or biases towards particular brands that they like to shoot with personally but i will say that dp review in general has been a bastion of basically non-bias as much as they possibly can they try to be objective with their measurements with their reviews with the gear that they're looking at um and it has led to this true true like archive of knowledge instead of just you know an archive of somebody's opinion it's it's truly been like as close to objective knowledge as you can for 25 almost 25 years worth of publishing so very impressive stuff um sadly it is shutting down on april 10th um it uh i will say that going back to our backup strategy talk we have some good news which is there are about four million articles and posts that have been put on dp review over that time and thankfully they're all being backed up um so archive team which is this kind of loose conglomeration of people over the internet that like to backup things that are disappearing they are going whole hog onto this and downloading everything they possibly can um and their their intention is to have everything downloaded by april 10th the date of the shutdown and then they will upload that to the internet archive um which will then allow you to browse the stuff in perpetuity so that's really cool um it's sort of a bummer that amazon is not just like leaving this up um I, as an employee of Amazon, I have to be careful with how I talk about Amazon, but I think just from a photographer's kind of perspective, I think it's a bummer. Um, it is yeah, a bummer. This, this whole thing was caught up in the recent, um, you, you may have seen many tech companies doing layoffs right now, and uh, this is part of that layoff cycle. Trend. Um, yeah. So that's what's currently going on, and it got caught up. Um, Sad. If you enjoy their YouTube channel, though, so sort of, I started like paying closer attention to dp review when uh two particular employees joined which are jordan drake and chris nichols um they are uh canadian uh, camera youtubers i guess i should say they came from the camera store 
um, YouTube channel and they were brought over to DP review and did their great stuff for DP review. And thankfully they're not um, disappearing. They will be joining the Petapixel staff to do their YouTube channel. So now I would say tentatively, I would recommend subscribing to the Petapixel, Petapixel YouTube channel because those two guys are awesome. They make some great content. So excellent. So, um, so the people behind it are not going anywhere. They still at least, exist. At least a couple of them. They still exist. Good luck to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so it's a bummer. It's a bummer. That is, um, but yeah, look for it on, uh, archive, archive.org. That's where it'll live. All right. And our final news, uh, segment, um, the Canon R5 had a massive update, that I will put in quotes, massive update. Some people are like, mm. wow, this is amazing. But is it, though? So let's talk about this. The Canon R5 has introduced IBIS high resolution. Um, those are just buzz phrase words. What the hell does that mean? Um, it is something that has been known as pixel shift previously. Mm-hmm. So um, you probably know more about the tech behind yeah. pixel shift. Do you want to explain this? So so IBIS uh, is in-body image stabilization. So increasingly camera to help cancel out handshake and to help especially with video stabilize the footage um they they the sensor actually floats in the camera body so it's got like these little actuators basically that hold the scent of the sensor in the middle of the camera body and as the camera shakes they try to cancel out that shaking by moving the opposite direction Mm -hmm. so in body so it's it's in the body of the camera it's not in the lens or anything image stabilization so one of the kind of cool things that you can do with this is you can use those if it's like on a tripod if the camera is stable you can use those actuators to move the sensor like pixels or portions of a pixel in very precise movements and then take a new image every time you do a movement so you can in theory uh, one of the most common ways of doing this is move it like four times. So you go like in a square and then uh, you combine those four images for four times the effective resolution. Uh, this has been, I'm not sure who originally started with this. If this was, I thought it was an Olympus thing. But I that used, maybe, so um, yeah, that I used wrong. to work in a studio where we had a Hasselblad. I think it was a Hasselblad oh, of, yeah. of H4D, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it was a 50 megapixel back that then would turn into a 200 megapixel yeah. Something like that. Yep. If I recall. quadrupling the resolution. Yeah, yeah. So it's quadrupling the resolution yeah. if I if I have that right. Uh, some of those numbers might be incorrect, but I'm and, a little this hazy. Is, this is cool tech, but it's it's very limited. Like if your camera moves while that pixel shift is happening, those images cannot be combined. It's like it just combined. doesn't work. So uh, but but what we did a lot in that studio is um we shot a lot of tabletop photography mm. and product photography so and stable. cars. Um when we got into food, it was even a little bit problematic because even just you have a nice sizzling steak and the steam off that steak couldn't yep. was yep. moving too much and couldn't handle pixel shift. So there were some things that we could use it on, some things that we couldn't use it on, and Hasselblad software was very very good at combining that and turning it into something <laughs> large. Um, most of the pixel shift uh, that we've seen up until now has been, like you said, quadrupling times <laughs> four of the image. Um, however, the new Canon uh, is, is 45 megapixels and it's going up to 400 megapixels. It takes nine images instead of four. That's wild. Now, what does that actually mean? Um, I have seen some test images, and they're 
are a little bit of a hot mess. I'm not going to lie. Um, my friend posted some test images of his dog, which obviously did not turn out at all. Mm-mm. Not even close. Um, I've seen some online reviews where there's like, here's a pocket knife. It's not going anywhere. My camera's clamped down on a tripod. But even then, if you zoom in past that 45 megapixel kind of like view range, as you get closer, it's just a hot, scratchy mess and does not combine and does not have the detail. And what it very much reminds me of is um, I spent about twenty dollars or something and bought a mirror lens because i thought it was fun and so i have a 500 millimeter lens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what happened 90 bucks no it was 20 i got it for 20 20 bucks okay yeah i I think brand new it's 110 (laughs) or something and i got it used for 20 okay okay um so i compared my 200 millimeter um uh, focal length lens to the 500 millimeter and I'm like what's the difference of if I just crop in and here's the thing the 500 millimeter was so unsharp and so fuzzy like it's still one image it's not trying to do any shenanigans yeah. but by the time I zoom in on the 200 millimeter and upscale it and apply some sharpening it was the exact same quality if not slightly better than the 500 yeah. millimeter yeah. I'm like why would I literally ever use this? <laughs> this is garbage. And then I put it in a drawer somewhere and never used it again. If you've never had contact with mirror lenses, they seem so tempting. You're like, wow, this is so cheap. And the reach 20 is bucks, so far. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, I used it at a baseball game and I was really impressed until I put those images on my computer yeah. and they were a hot mess. So yeah, that the R5 has had this quote unquote massive update, but it's... At least to me, it's not usable. Yeah. Like, I would much rather use any kind of AI sharpening upscaling mm-hmm. software mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, it's uh, the stitching artifacts are like pretty dramatic. Like, I'm sort of surprised that this made it into production that they push this out because it's so obvious. Like, you can, yeah. you zoom in, you can see it so well, easily. Okay, like, so, ah, so I don't know about that. Reference, for reference, for any of you that are watching this on the YouTube channel behind Stuart's head every single mm-hmm. week, um, is a picture of Iceland that I took and this is roughly oh god I cannot remember how many images it is it is something like many yeah it's something (laughs) like 70 different images using a telephoto lens that I manually panoramic stitched together of like I told Adobe do your best and then there were a couple of issues and I went in and I grabbed some original plates and did did some massaging until it all kind of came together Mm -hmm. but that image is 485 megapixels so in one shot you can get that essentially you're not going to get the same field of view you're not going to get the same depth of field you're not going to get the same bokeh True. you're just getting a larger sensor size um of whatever your same thing is so mm-hmm. it's not going to look quite the same as that image but um but that one's clean you can zoom in so far that you can see the stubble on my cheek because it mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. single super clean image um yeah, not the same cannot be said for this kind of weird like and like it's, and it's just a firmware update that people just downloaded. It's, and it's sort of too bad. I feel if like it they was just, built into it, I feel like it'd work better. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or I feel like if you the, you didn't shoot so high, I my my suspicion is they're pushing it just a little bit too far. Like if you just pushed an update that did a standard, you know, four X, yeah. People would still think that that's cool, especially if it worked as well as other 4x pixel shifting has been done in the past like that's still upwards of 200 megapixels out of a you know but, 45 ooh, megapixel boy. camera oh here's cool, the other great. downside it's only jpeg 
Yeah, it's it's not only raw. JPEG. Yeah. When I shot with the pixel shift on the Hasselblad, it was still raw. And yeah. that raw file was 2.4 gigabytes, roughly. Yeah. So, so uh, get ready to shell out for memory cards and hard drives and RAM. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, ooh, boy, this is going to be rough if you actually use a day shooting this. I do um, hope they fix it. I, I, I hope this is actually possible. It feels so half-baked right now. That, it is yeah, very half-baked yeah, right now. Yeah. I, I And because it's just a firmware update, I hope another firmware update will help it, the stitching. It really just feels like an executive said, chase this big number, and they and were they forced did. to do it, and, and they, they did. did it poorly. But, but you, know, you know what I will say, though, of like, again, this pixel shift thing, you're never going to use it on a wedding. You're never no. going to use it for a landscape because a tree shifting anything yeah, happening is going to turn into a hot mess this Mm. is in studio only you have to be completely controlled you have to be completely still yep no seam no wind no breeze no children or animals like none of that it's it's product photography only and i think people are trying to not do that and disappointed when it doesn't work do better so do better yeah i mean there we have (laughs) We have three... Oh, I need Sarah McLaughlin playing over this outro. We have three very sad news stories for you this week. Um, World Backup Day. Please don't lose your stuff. Um, DP Review. World Backup Day should not be a sad story. It's not a sad story. Your backup should be so good that when you have a problem and you recall that data so easily, it should be victory. It is victory. No, you losing your data is a sad story. Don't Um, make it a sad story. Make it a happy story. DP Review is a sad story. This pixel shift... Uh, I was excited about it, but then I actually started diving in and researching for this podcast, and it's not it's not good yet. Um, it might get there. We'll see. Hopefully. Anyway, <laughs> that is this week in the news here on the Photo Op Podcast. If you like all of this content, consider our Patreon. Um, we have a tip jar. It's like a, a buck. Yep. It's a dollar. You can show your support. You help us keep the lights on metaphorically and literally and mm-hmm. um you know like subscribe to all that you know internet goodness things that algorithms like things that algorithms like uh leave a comment um on the youtube channel is fantastic or you know your favorite podcast of choice uh, and we, it doesn't have to be just for the algorithms benefit if you have a question and you, you leave question, it in a, in a youtube comment we will answer it we will answer youtube comments or you can mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. email us how can they email us hello at photo show excellent and all of that info will be succinctly said again right now if you have questions or ideas for future episodes you can email us at hello at photo op.show watch us on ben's youtube channel at non-creative as in om nom nom share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded because it's free